0: Hi, this is Michael Jammin, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 111 for August 18th, 2020. Today, I'm going to bring you an interview with Michael Jammin, who is a comedy writer who's written on a boatload of shows, half hour, one hour animation, live action. He's got a lot of experience over the years, and he actually distills it into a course that he's going to tell you about in the second part of the interview bit of a housekeeping announcement. This is the 20th weekly episode since quarantine started, and I'm taking a two-week break before resuming right after Labor Day. September 8th will be an episode with Elaine Lowe, and September 15th with Joel Thompson. I'm actively seeking new showrunners and upper-level writers to interview, so if you know anyone you think would be a good fit, please reach out. This is a great time to check out older episodes. If you go to TVWriterPodcast.com and scroll down, you can click on tags that filter for special interests like women TV writers, Canadian writers, showrunners, animation, black TV writers, and more. Some recommended episodes are my interview with Sean Ryan in episode 101, both my interviews with Carol Kirshner in episode 103 and 54 my How to Write a TV Pilot panel at San Diego Comic-Con in episode 85, Stephanie Palmer, author of Good in a Room in episode 65, Ellen Sandler, author of TV Writer's Workbook in episode 16, and lots more. You're going to love the interview. Let's roll. Well, I am so pleased to be with Michael Jammon, TV writer and showrunner, who has written on such shows as King of the Hill, Marin, Beavis, and Butthead, and is currently a consulting producer on Tacoma FD. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased um, that, that you can make the time for this interview. You've written on quite a few cool shows over the years.
1: I guess I'm old. That's what you're <laughs> saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, so, um, been, please, go ahead. And and uh, and it see, it
0: seems like you you went from pretty strong shows to pretty strong shows, pretty strong shows, um, very well known shows. I would love to know sort of where you started and how you got there. Um, like, wh- where did you grow up? College? When did you know right. you wanted to write?
1: So I, I grew up in New York. I went to college uh, at Princeton in New Jersey. I, in high school, I remember watching Cheers and thinking I, well, I would do anything to be a writer on that show. And I thought, well, if I could just get a job as a grip, maybe I could work my way up. And that's not how it works. And grips are not lower than writers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't work that way at all. But I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody in Hollywood or whatever. But I got yeah. out of college and I just got in my car. Two weeks later, I drove out to LA. I didn't know anybody. Oh. didn't have a place to stay. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in. I'm going to figure out how to get in. So...
0: Very cool. So so when you, when you came, I mean, had you studied at all or did you just land and what now or what was that like?
1: I applied as a freshman and a junior to the creative writing program in college. And Mm -hmm. both years they said, "I'm sorry, you're just not good enough. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not good enough. That's why I need to be in your program. Uh So yeah, I just wanted it. And I got out here and I was able to find a great writing teacher. He was a retired guy. He had written on a bunch of sitcoms that that way, you know, like Get Smart and Twilight Zone, shows that I just loved, mm. and I wanted to learn from somebody who had a lot of experience, and I was so fortunate to have found him. I studied under him for a little bit, then I broke in as a PA on a couple of shows, and then once you're a PA, you can learn from the working writers in the show, mm. and that's really uh, so, you know, it's just a blessing.
0: Yeah, and, <clears throat> and you got a freelance script for Lois and Clark. Was yeah. that fairly early on, or was
1: that, uh, how, how did you get to that point? So I had been working, I had been in LA for about two years and I finally got a job, it's probably even less. I got, after about a, maybe a few months, I got a job as a PA in a show called Evening Shade. And then that went away and I got a job uh, as, a, as, a writer, as the assistant to executive producers and they were doing another show on CBS. The wonderful mm-hmm. people, uh, Brad Buckner and Eugenie Russlanding. So I was there, so I answered the phones, you know, got them lunch, that was basically it. But I did that for a couple of years and that, those years killed me because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm just doing menial work yeah they wound up running a show called lois and clark uh superman mm-hmm. and this was a couple years later and they let I, they brought me back into pitch because they were just lovely and you know they liked me and so my partner and i pitched an episode that they liked and that became like one of our highest rated episodes and that was oh, wow. kind of, that part was kind of luck because mm-hmm. we had our episode aired after a really really strong episode the one that had done really well and because we aired afterwards the ratings are <laughs> even higher on ours, but I, so it I, you uh, know, it sounds like I'm bragging, but it's more like I was just we we're just piggybacking on someone else's idea. And who is your writing partner? Uh Sievert Clarum. We've been writing together since I guess ninety three.
0: Oh, you're still okay, still still writing together. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. It's like a marriage.
0: <laughs> cool. Um and so so talk about that. Uh, your your first script, did you think like wow, I've made it now, or, or what
1: was your your mentality like then? I remember when I first got my agent, I thought, wow, I made it. And mm-hmm. that was such, I mean, honestly, as I drove home that day after the news, I was on cloud nine. And as soon as I got home, I realized, I, that's bullshit. I haven't made it at all. I got an agent. until there's money in my pocket. I haven't made anything. Yeah. And she wound up actually doing nothing for us and wound up dumping us. And so it, the agent part wasn't the, it didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we really first made it when we got our first staff writing job on Just Shoot Me. Then I felt like, wow, yeah. I've arrived. But the minute I got in, I was like, oh no, I'm in a way over my head. Uh-huh. So you never know, feel like I guess it.
0: I guess it must have helped to have a writing partner through that experience.
1: Yeah, he's very talented, and especially when you write comedy, you have someone you can bounce off of because mm-hmm. you don't know if it's funny unless someone laughs. You know. Yeah.
0: And so we'll we'll talk about that in in the room. Um, did you find <laughs> you you got the the room very quickly, or what? I mean, you were not Just Shoot Me
1: for a while. Yeah. Four years, yeah, from the, from the mm-hmm. start, uh, four years, then we went to King of the Hill. Yeah. No, I, the first six weeks, I was like, I'm going to be fired. Everything I said was yeah. bad. Every The room, everyone room was so funny. There were so many heavy hitters in that show. It was like, and the, it was hilarious. You couldn't stop laughing, but I'm laughing, but I'm not contributing. So how, mm. like, why are they not going to fire me? And then I yeah. tried to contribute something, and it would be bad, or it would be like, like, and I didn't know, I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't mm. know what I was doing. I was lucky, we were, you know, we wrote a good script, so we got in, but once you're in, you're just hanging on, you know, by, the, by your nails, to ho- hoping not to get, you know, fired. And so they brought us back season two. And mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of when we started getting our legs and mm-hmm. and you know, things got a little easier, you know. Yeah. And uh,
0: and so what, were there any particular mentors through that time or, or people that helped you, uh,
1: older writers in, yeah. the, in the show? For sure. I mean, I turned to so many of them. There was a guy, Stephen Engel. He had run before that a show called Dream On. Super mm-hmm. smart and funny guy. There was Andy Gordon. He's since done a ton of shows. Before that, he was mad about you. And I mm-hmm. Eileen Kahn was his partner. She's hilarious. And then Marsh McCall, who had run Conan, um, he passed a couple years ago. But he gave me some wonderful advice. I remember turning to him after maybe a few months in the show. I was like, Marsh, I'm going to get fired. I don't know what I'm doing. Every time someone <laughs> pitches a joke, I'm like – I'm so far behind, I can't beat anybody. Mm. And he said, he, this, he was this great advice. He said, if everyone's racing towards that one punchline, you're never going to beat them there because they're just faster than you and better than you. You have to find another way to get there. You have to go around the Instead of going to the wall, run around the wall, dig under the wall, jump over the wall. And that just opened up my mind. It was like, oh, so there's not just one way to get to the joke. You can mm. just, as long as you pick something that's funny, that, that gets you there, it doesn't matter how you get there. And that was just like it was just so eye opening for me, and I, I kind of tell that story a lot. I was like so grateful for that advice. Very, very cool. And uh, and so, where did you
0: leave off? Just shoot me. And I, I mean, tell me about did you? I mean, how did you get that uh,
1: Beavis and Butt Head job? Oh, that was. Um, I think we got Beavis and Butt after four years of Just Shoot Me. We got an offer to go out on King of the Hill.
0: Oh, now, King back, of the
1: Hill. Sorry. Th- back then, it was. Uh, it was uh, not. It was. If you're on a show for two, three years, it was very common for you to jump on another show and get more money on another show. And you'd move around. Nowadays, you you cling on to a show. If you're on a show and it's doing okay, you stay there. You don't go anywhere. It's because yeah. it's just a different marketplace now. And so we went to King of the Hill. And then that introduced us to Mike Judge. And that turned it out to be a couple episodes of uh, uh, Beavis and Butthead along the line. But, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, actually, that, that makes a good point because
0: I noticed in your resume that you did quite a few shows that were sort of one season, maybe one, two seasons. Um, was that a lot of because of that sort of, you know, uh, deal for a new mm-hmm. deal for each show and, and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, uh, we were on rules of engagement. We At the time, we were, had an overall deal at CBS, so they just mm-hmm. stuck us on the show. We were getting paid either way, so they said, okay, you're getting paid, go on this show. And mm-hmm. so that was fine. Uh, but then after that, I think after that, we got an offer uh, to run Marin, which was four years, we, you know, you don't know it's going to go four years, you, mm-hmm. you know, some of the shows we've been on, um, you'd be left because the, it's like a small order instead of, and just shoot me, you do like 24 episodes a year and I get paid mm-hmm. per episode. But yeah. now that the work has migrated to smaller cable outlets, instead of doing 24 episodes, you might do 10 a year. Mm-hmm. So that means you got to look for your next job because you, you don't right. want to live on just 10 episodes. So that's why there's my credits tend to be shorter now because you're kind of just jumping around to whoever's hiring. Hmm. And so, Maren, uh, you were actually brought on to run that show. Was
0: was that the first time you had run
1: The Room, or when did you start running The Room as a team? Before that, we got a job. Michael Eisner, who ran Paramount many hmm. years ago, he had a cartoon, a, a stop-motion animation cartoon, that he they needed a showrunner for. That was called Glenn Martin DDS, and that was hmm. on Nick at Night. And so that was our first chance to run a show, although it was animated. And so that was like, you know... Great experience. We did that for two years and the show was canceled, but, uh, that's where you really learn how to, how to break a story, how to be a boss. And just mm. <laughs> really, you know, jump into the fire. What, and, and
0: tell me about, cause you've done uh, more than one animated show. Is mm-hmm. it, is it very different? Uh, running the room there and, and running the room for just, uh, what do you call it? it just live
1: action. Uh, it's really not. It's the same. You're telling stories. It's the same thing. I'm not an animated writer. I'm a, I'm a comedy writer, a TV writer. Um, the bigger difference would be if you're writing for a single camera show or a multi-camera show. So mm. a single camera would be like Modern Family and a multi-camera show would be Friends. So you have those four cameras and live studio audience. That's the. Di- but at the end of the day, it's still a story. You're just telling mm. stories. So it's not yeah. like a giant leap.
0: Yeah. Well, talk about four years on, on The Marin Show. Uh, what was that experience like for you, running the room from the beginning and having it renewed and renewed and renewed? Yeah. Um, tell,
1: talk about that. Well... So that was our first job running a live action show. And uh, the budget was tiny because it was on IFC. So mm-hmm. the budget was probably like a third of what it would be for, let's say, ABC or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember the executive from 20th Century Fox was uh, giving us a tour of this, the rundown studio offices they were giving us because it was mm-hmm. so low budget. And she's like, I shouldn't tell you this, but we're all laughing at you over at corporate. We, think, we don't think you can make the show on this budget. And I was just like, oh, oh no, man. Like, this is my first day as a show. Right? Like I, I don't even uh, hear this. And I said, well, do we get a whiteboard? Because you know one of these whiteboards. And yeah. she was, oh, we got a you know supply room full of whiteboards. No problem. There, you can get as many whiteboards as you want. And I just like, <laughs> oh, okay. it's fine. As long as I get a whiteboard, we'll be fine. And uh-huh. so that's exactly what it was. It was that show was most shows have like a five day shooting schedule. This show was two and a half days, so oh, I was always like goodness. hurry up, like get the shot, move on. The lighting has to be good enough; it not You can't be great. And it was yeah. all about, and it was it was almost guerrilla, and it was fun because yeah, you're, the budget's that low. They leave you alone, mm-hmm. like they just leave you alone. So creatively, you get to do what you want as long as you're on budget. You don't get a lot of notes because you don't have time to take a lot of notes. <laughs> it, yeah. was just, it was fun. Yeah, no, I've I've
0: been on shows like that where, um. The network knows they that if they gave a note,
1: you couldn't afford to shoot it. So they yeah, just leave right. off. I did that. as Right. I said, you sure you want that? That's a $40,000 note. And they're like, oh, yeah. no, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh,
0: that's great. And so after after Marin, um, where did you go from there?
1: After Marin, I think we did Brickleberry, which is uh, an animated show for a year. Then we jumped. I'm, I'm looking at my wall, my credits. I'm trying to remember, <laughs> I'm trying to remember yeah, what we know. did. After that. I think we did... Um, we got a Oh, maybe Wilfred came after that. And then which was that was an interesting show. And then we also did uh, we get we ran another show on YouTube Red, which for a year and then uh, then Tacoma FD, which we've done for two years now. It's so always kind of hopping around,
0: you know. Yeah. So, so tell me about some of the signposts like um, were any of these shows that you developed?
1: No, no. Most of them, all the shows that we have run, all three of them are created by other people. They were just looking hmm. for showrunners. And the other shows were just either a co-executive producer or just some level of writer on it. So we're not mm-hmm. uh, being created. Yeah. So but we head, head, do create shows and sell them. They just don't, yeah. they just don't go to series. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, well, talk about that development process. What what kind of shows do you develop together? What does that look yeah. like? I mean, does, with you and your writing partner, does one you mm-hmm. come in one day and say, hey, you've got an idea for this and you worked on yeah, it together? Yeah. Or... Often,
1: sometimes it's, it's a producer Will come to us with an idea who like who has a lot of juice and they're looking for a writer. So we do tend to do a lot of that. A lot of times it's a comedian who has a, you know about to pop and we'll mm-hmm. develop a show for that comedian and then pitch it. Um, sometimes it comes from our own brains, but more often than not it's someone else's idea that we're trying to get off the ground because then you have another piece, you have someone else in your corner fighting. Mm-hmm. And to us it really does I don't really care if it's my idea or their idea. I'm just looking yeah. for an ally. I'm, I'm doing. You know, when you do it so long, it becomes your idea anyway, because, you know, you, you make it yours. You you, know, mm-hmm. you bring like, the characters and you just fall in love with it. So it feels like you came up with it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, just because just it's freshest. why don't you tell me about Tacoma FD? So those are the guys, the Broken Lizard guys. They're a comedy mm-hmm. troupe. They've been together since college. Yeah. And, uh, and then they wrote the um, Super Trooper movies. And these are just like they kind of came up from outside the system. They, indie movies, they figured out funding, and these movies became kind of like cult hits. And so they never broke into Hollywood. They did it themselves and Hollywood came to them. Mm -hmm. And so that's what it is. So then Hollywood came to them and said, hey, how about, can you do a TV show for us about, uh, and they said, okay, we have an idea about firefighters. And Mm so they're terrific. I mean, so they're in the room, two of them uh, are in the room, uh, Steve Lemmy and, and Kevin Heffernan, they run the show, and they're also the main actors in the show. Mm-hmm. so it's great because you could just pitch an idea and you know if they like the actor is going to like it or not or they put their spin on it so it's actually helpful to have the actor in the room i because mean, then you can see they can act it out is it good or bad and you know mm. it's fun yeah. that, that's actually quite cool yeah and mm. and
0: so you've done that for one season and then covid happened right
1: two seasons then
0: COVID. oh two seasons okay yeah yeah Very so cool. we'll see what happens Yeah. Very cool. I'm going to take a quick break to hear from sponsors. And after that, I want to hear about this course that you've been developing. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. DrivingFootage.com provides 4k nine angle driving plates for film and television over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second unit photography. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. AVgearguide.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the LA area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day, with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital, so you can easily share with your friends and family. Not only can you scan prints as low as 25 cents, slides and negatives as low as 33 cents, and import videotapes as low as $7.99. Mention the name of the TV Writer podcast, and you will get 10% off your order. Visit avgearguide.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. And we're back. So you've been really busy during COVID, and (laughs) you have been developing a
1: course for screenwriting. Tell me about that. I've been not busy during COVID. So all the shows... Uh... All the production is shut down. All the live wow. action. Uh, there's animated, so we're trying. we selling some animated. Yeah, we got a couple of animated projects in various stages of development. But then I, I just knew I was going to have. I knew I was going to have a ton of time. I mean, it's already been like four months. So, uh, I, I, a friend of mine was like, "You got to make a, an online screening course. You got to." He went to film school, and he and I, you know, I've sat with him and I've told you, "Because they didn't teach me any of this at film school, you have to do this." Mm. So I made a course, and it took a long time to do it, and so. And this is called The Showrunner's Guide to TV Writing. It's all – everything that I wish I had known before breaking – it would have helped me break in. It would have helped me not – you know, uh, navigate all the pitfalls and just a better writer all around. So mm-hmm. – and that is at um, – uh, if you go to com slash gray, after you, my friend. Oh, cool. uh, <laughs> Then you'll get a um, – your listeners will get a discount, as well as uh, yeah, if they'll, they get a discount for the course and they can sign up. And you can get three free. Le- I give my first three lessons are free, so you can see if you see if you like it. And if you do, you can continue. If not, hey, it's okay.
0: Very very cool. Well, well tell me more about the the nuts and bolts of the course. Like what, um, who is it for? What do what do people learn? Uh, do you have a structure to it? Can you yeah. take me through
1: a bit more of it? it? It's like it's almost it's six or almost seven hours of video. Courses mm-hmm. and each one is different in uh, character development, creating memorable characters, uh, how to break a story, how to write a, a beat sheet, how to write an outline, uh, how to write your first draft, how to how to pitch a show, how to create a pilot, how to pitch it to a network. So it really covers, as far as ever, I can think of, everything. And then I do a lot of case studies of like breaking mm-hmm. down episodes that we wrote, we put on TV, how we came up with that idea, how we have took a germ of an idea, one line, and and spread it out into an episode where the act breaks fall, how to know where the act breaks are, what they should be. Um, so story breaking is a huge part of it because that's that's yeah. a skill that's so hard to learn. So. So it, it's, it sounds like it would be just as applicable for one hour as, as half. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my back, I mean, I have done some hour long. My background mm-hmm. is obviously comedy, but it's story is story. If you could do yeah. it, if you want to be a screenwriter, if you want to be a playwright, you want to write a short story, it's all about story structure. And mm-hmm. so if you want to be, if you want it to be a drama, just don't put jokes in it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Marin, which we ran, obviously that was a dark comedy. There were, it was not funny really. I mean, there were mm-hmm. funny moments, but it was pretty dark. So yeah that was more of a drama than a comedy. So, yeah, well, I've yeah. heard
0: um, Sheldon Bull, uh, he wrote Elephant Bucks. He he's a proponent proponent of the fact that if if a comedy doesn't work as a drama, it's not going to work as a comedy.
1: I, I agree with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And so um, how's the response been? Has it already been released? Oh, it's
1: actually it's just about to go live. Uh, in oh, a couple OK. Of days. Yeah. So you could. People can sign up. I don't know when this is going to air, but by the time this airs, it'll probably be live. Okay. Well, it actually, uh, this is going to air
0: in late August. So it will yeah. have been released for, yeah. for yeah. a number of weeks by then. Right. Very cool. Well, just, just generally speaking, you've, obviously, you've distilled this into a course. You, you've watched Hollywood over the last three decades. Um, what, what do you feel about the state of the industry right now versus, say, 10, 20 years ago?
1: So I think it's easier to break in now. It's harder mm-hmm. to make a living. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the barrier of entry is low. You can put it with your phone. You can put a, something on YouTube or Facebook and get a following. And next thing you know, Hollywood comes to you because you have created something that people want to watch and they want to put it on their network. Mm. Uh, so in that sense, the barrier of entry is, is much easier. All you need to know, but you have to know how to write. I mean, you, if, if, you're you not going to go anywhere if it's not good. right? Mm. So writing is still, I think, is the key. Um, and But then in terms of making a living, like I guess the orders have gotten shorter. Just shoot, maybe we did 24 episodes a year. Now it's 10 or 13, and so mm-hmm. you're constantly hopping around for the next job, or hu- it's just more of a hustle now. Yeah. So, you know. And do you do you find you do most of that hustling? Does your agent do a lot of it for you? Uh, so we didn't. Uh, no, you have to do it yourself. We have we mm-hmm. have it. We had an agent. Then all the agents and all the writers in Hollywood basically fired our agents. Yeah. Um, there's a move now, or we just learned that our agency, uh, assigned the, the code of conduct or something like that, United Talent Agency, which is one of the big four. Yeah. So we'll see what happens now. But, um, agents for the most part, they really field offers. So yeah. they don't go out. If an agent represents 10 writers and they submit 10 writers for a job, they don't really care which one gets the job as long yeah. as one of them gets the job. It's yeah. the same amount of, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll. So they're not really going to fight for you. They have a relationship with town. They don't want to burn these relationships. Mm-hmm. So you still have to hustle no matter what agency you're at. You still have to You're yeah. still have to be responsible for your own career. Yeah. Well, and what, is that, what does that hustle look like for you? Like
0: uh, as you're on a show, are you, are, are you doing a lot of networking? Um, <laughs> how do you
1: keep your ear to the ground? Not so much that, but in terms of we're constantly writing, even now – after all these years, we're writing spec scripts just to show a different side of us, to update our samples, to show that, hey, we can write dramedy. We can do this. And, and so if you're a writer and you feel like, well, I only want to write one script, like that's not how it works. Like we don't get paid when we write these sample scripts. Like these are just they're, they're samples. So people can judge our, their, our work. Mm-hmm. Like if that part uh, doesn't appeal to you, then the profession is not for you. If you have to want to be a writer, you have to want to write. Yeah
0: well um course aside um what what would you say are some of the best resources for somebody who is learning to write
1: or wants to to uh, develop their craft? Well, that's why I think I put together this my yeah. course I, hopefully that would be i mean there are I'm sure there are you know. I don't know what the best resource is. The Writers Guild of America, I'm sure, has uh, scripts, at least in the library. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. available to the public. I, I don't know, but they have a library. A lot of the stuff you can get online, sample scripts of shows that are free, and you study them. So don't just mm-hmm. watch these shows, just read them, and study them and take notes. So if, even now when I watch um, when I watch a, a show, to, if I'm creating a show and I want to go mm-hmm. back and, uh, and learn from it, I'll watch it once for myself, and the second time I'll take notes, figure wow. out, okay, what, at what point does this happen? And uh, how many minutes in does this happen? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. We're going to transition a little bit to talk about specifically for younger writers,
0: um, advice to people who are sort of earlier in their career. Um, what mistakes do you see people commonly making in the in the sort
1: of less advanced levels? So I get this all the time. I get people, especially now that this course is out, people, you know, they hit me up. Hey, how do I get my uh, script read? How do I break in? And I think that's the wrong question to be asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's so, like, to, here's an example. If you were, forget about being one of your writer. Let's say you wanted to be a basketball player in the NBA and you called up, you sent a, a coach of the Knicks an email. Hey, how do I become, I want to be on the, in the NBA, I want to be an all-star. How do I be, how do I get on the team? Like the coach is do I know I get it. Yeah. The coach is gonna be like, well, when was the last time you played? Well, I yeah. played last summer in a league. I played every day in a league last summer. Okay. Wh- why are you not playing right now? Why are you emailing me? Well, I want to break in. It's like, it's like, are you nuts? You should be working on your craft. Hmm. You should be out there on the courts every day. And yeah. it's not about like begging to get in. The coach is not gonna let you be on the team because you sent an email. So it's the same thing as a writer. Like if you wrote your script last summer, you spent all summer writing your script and now it's perfect well, why are you not writing today? You should be continuing to write, continuing to work on your craft mm. every day because that's how you get better. You don't polish this thing that you wrote last summer. Um, just to give you another example, when we ran the show called uh Link's Buddy System, it was on YouTube Red. Like, what's YouTube mm. Red? But it was a network they were trying to get off the ground. <laughs> and yeah. so it was real low budget. And the show was really funny. Was, those two stars were terrific. Mm. But um, it was low budget. And so the network gave us money for staff. And they wanted us to hire like three writers. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I would really feel more my partner. So we, we'd be more comfortable if you could hire one writer that we've worked with, one really good one, as opposed to three mm-hmm. ones that are low rent. Yeah. And like, no, we want three fresh writers. So I was like, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm not gonna, uh-oh. I can't win that fight. So, mm-hmm. so now we're looking for writers, kind of like in your audience, people who have never sold anything before, people who want to break in. And so we read a ton of scripts. And it was getting very frustrating and demoralizing because mm. I read, like, I don't want, most of these scripts, 99% are just mediocre. Like, I'm, I'm not going to hire a mediocre writer. That doesn't do me any good. I need a good right. writer. Like, so, and then finally, the exec, one of the executive producers on the show, she's a non-writing uh, executive producer. She goes, here, how about this script? And she put it on my desk. And I got 10 pages into it. And I go, he's hired. Like, that's mm. all, it was very, the script was very good. It stood out. And I didn't need to read anymore. I could tell. You're done. He's yeah. And then we brought him in, and he was great, and I would work with him again. And so the, re- the point I'm saying is a, a great script, and I don't, know, I don't know how this woman, the executive producer, I don't know how this script got on her desk. I'm assuming yeah. someone read it, thought this was great. I can't hire this guy, but I'm going to pass it on to my friend, and it's going to get passed around town because a good script gets passed around. Yeah. A mediocre script does not get passed around. And so so just
0: what what was the difference between the mediocre one and the good one? And do you remember sort of um, what were some of the mistakes you saw people making in the mediocre ones or what popped in in that
1: one? Most people do not know what a story is. They just have no understanding. Most people, uh, they'll put jokes that are not sharp or jokes that are just not fresh that you've heard before they don't understand mostly story structure it's like Mm -hmm. I can get to page five and if I and if I'm not hooked on page five I throw it out and I start the next one because I got a stack of scripts this to the ceiling I might as well just move on to the next one Mm -hmm. and so when I found this guy's script that was really good it wasn't more like it wasn't he he wasn't begging me to get on the show I was begging him because Mm -hmm. I was like I need you because you're good and I can't find anybody else that's good I, Mm -hmm. I told the executive let's hire him now I don't want to lose this guy and he was, a, at the time, he was working in advertising. He didn't mm-hmm. wasn't even a TV writer. I go, he's wow. that good. I don't want to lose it. I'm begging him to come on my show as opposed to the other way around. And I think most new writers have that approach of, I'm begging you to give me a shot. Mm. Work on your writing. If your writing is good or great, I'm begging you. Mm.
0: Very cool. And what, yeah. about, um, what about in interviews, when you're interviewing somebody? What makes them stand out versus somebody who you want to pass on?
1: At this point, all I cared was that he wasn't a drooling idiot, honestly. (laughs) Is he like, you know, is he just a mess? Like, no, he was a normal person. Fine, you're Uh hired. There are things that you can do in the writer's room that will get you fired, though. And that is if you're argumentative, if you're constantly fighting for your own stuff because you think you know better. And I've been on shows Mm. where young writers do that because they want to be heard and they want their vision on the air. And it's like, no, 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 no. You want to just do what the showrunner tells you to do. That's your job to please the showrunner. And so being precious about your words and your, and your lines like, no, you got a lot to learn, especially when you're Mm -hmm. starting off. So, you know, just be polite, be mindful, don't fight. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Well, we're going to start to, to wrap things up a little bit, but what, what would you wish you had known when you started that, you know,
1: now, is there anything that you, you think, oh man, if I had only known that. Yeah. Basically how to break a story. And Mm -hmm. that, because when we, my first samples were like, I had an idea and it felt good. I was writing for my gut. And so that was good enough. But I always felt after that first sample I was like, I don't think I can do this again. Like mm. I, I got, I felt like I just got lucky. I had a good idea and I got lucky. When you're a TV writer, you were expected to do that every, you know, you gotta put an episode of TV out every week, right? So mm. you, can't, you can't rely on luck or your gut. You have to know how to do it. So learning how to break a story into three acts, that's what we call story breaking. You do some, yeah. you draw lines on the board and you break it. That is a skill that's like, that's everything. Mm
0: and, and how can somebody learn that? Like, I would you suggest that people have their own whiteboard and just practice breaking each story or, or, or is it something you can only learn as you're actually in the process?
1: And that's what I try to teach in the course. I, I really try to take you Hey, that's I'm going to teach you how to break a story from a, a germ of an idea and it, whether, whether it's a big enough to have a story or not. And that's mm. almost the entire course. Um, but the way you if you, if you don't want to take that The way you can learn is by watching TV and taking notes, Uh, but not, not, you're not writing down jokes. You're talking about what you're writing notes about what the characters want at each scene and and what the act breaks are and try to, uh, try to reverse engineer it. It's reverse engineering is a little hard though. And I find that a lot of teachers try to, you know, they will, Hey, this is, we're going to take this great movie and we're going to reverse engineer. It's like, that's not how you make a great movie, but okay. If you want to study it, sure.
0: Yeah. Um, Just career-wise, if you could think of one thing that
1: helps you make it in this business long-term, what do you think it is? You have to be nice to people, for sure. Mm-hmm. You, even assistants, especially assistants, because they're not going to be assistants forever. They're going to rise up. They're going to be agents, executives, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make it in the business, like you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, I have, I want to get my show made, and I, I have a vision, I- or my movie made, and like. And they want to come out to Hollywood. and they, That's what they want to see on the screen. Mm. And if you want to be of a career on it, then you have to approach it as, I, I just want to work. I want to learn the craft. I want to help someone else get their vision. I want to be a writer on a staff. I want to learn how to do this. And then at some point, maybe you'll get lucky enough to mm. have that opportunity. But if you go in shooting for the moon, it's just not going to happen. Right. Not at, at all,
0: you know? Yeah, very cool. Well, um, final thoughts. Uh, tell me that link again for your course.
1: Uh, yeah, michaeljammin.com/grey. You, you, you can remember, easy like to remember. Yeah, very cool.
0: <laughs> and uh, and are you on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle?
1: Uh, yeah, more I, easier is probably Facebook, which is uh, Michael Jammin Writer. So it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L and Jammin is J-A-M-I-N Writer. And I, cool. I guess so, I'm, I'm on Twitter somewhere. You can yeah. find me, but I don't I don't tweet much. Cool.
0: Well, I really appreciate you taking this time. And I think that course actually sounds like a really, really helpful place for people to come and learn about the nuts and bolts. From Yeah. Thank you so much. Time.
1: Thank, thank you, great.
0: And that was my interview with Michael Jammin. Please do check out his course, michaeljammin.com slash great. Easy to remember. And uh, do check for us every Tuesday. Starting back again, just after Labor Day on September 8th. Make sure to subscribe on all of the places you can find this podcast Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, the tvwriterpodcast.com site, or also at scriptmag.com, and now also on Pandora. And if you're on Instagram, please follow at tvwriterpodcast. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Grey Jones is my handle. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do it for as little as 25 cents per episode. You can find out how you can become a patron of the podcast or a sponsor of the podcast at slash support. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.